0: Good morning and Merry Christmas. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It is great to see you and all of our campuses. Can we welcome all of our campuses? Appleton, Brookfield, Milwaukee, online, Germantown. Wherever you are joining us from, we're glad that you're here. And I just have to say, I've been doing this for a long time. I mean, like almost two decades, I thought we were going to have a runaway. Tammy, what did you think? I was a little bit concerned. I had this trough right here, and I mean, I thought these kids are over the edge, and they're gone. Here we go. So um, if they're a little hyper, I don't know what you fed them for breakfast, but wow. And uh, they but they, they, were talkative. They weren't, they weren't quiet. There are some years where they're really, really quiet, and some years where, they, you know, they're they really talkative, and so this was definitely one of those talkative years, so it was good. It was very good. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to John's Gospel, Chapter 1. And uh, we're going to just today just take a couple of minutes, and then we're going to have a song and prayer, and then we're going to be dismissed today. And, uh, but uh, I want to talk to you for a moment just about a thrill of hope. You know, there's that, that song, "Oh Holy Night. And there's a line that says, A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. And I hope you'll be with me on Christmas Eve at one of the six services that we'll be doing, because I'm going to unpack that, a weary world rejoices. We live in a weary world. But the hope that we have, I want to talk about today, that line, the thrill of hope. The thrill of hope. When you look in your Bibles, in the Gospel of Matthew, which is the first book of the New Testament, It's just one page, if you go back to the left, just one page, that's the book of Malachi, the minor prophet. That one page from Matthew chapter one, which begins with the genealogy of Jesus and to the birth of Jesus, to the last prophet in the Old Testament, just one page, represents the what theologians call the intertestamental period. I'm not gonna go crazy on this, just hang with me for a second. But there's four hundred years. Theologians call those to 400 silent years. Where in that time, there are no new prophets that are raised up. In that time, just that one page between Matthew chapter 1 and the last word of the prophet in the book of Malachi. God reveals nothing new to his people. Those who are following God and who are believers in Him are wondering if maybe if God has forsaken them, if there's a God at all. God's even there in the first place. It's those 400 years. And again, we know the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they all tell the story of Jesus. They all begin in their own way. But that 400 years of silence, of wondering, of waiting, John breaks the silence with these words in John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he who was with God in the beginning, through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. For the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Go down to verse number nine. For the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world, and he was in the world, and through, and though the world was not, excuse me, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but yet his own did not receive him. Verse 12: Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right. To become children of God. After those 400 silent years, a light shone in the darkness. You might be in a season, we've all been kind of in a season lately, where it feels a little darker than it is lighter. A thrill of hope seems like something maybe in a bygone era or something that you may get into your car and listen uh, to a christmas song from from some from some time way decades back where life seemed simpler and easier you might feel like even today god is somewhat silent in your life that the darkness is more prevailing than is the light maybe a question like has god forgotten me god where are you does he even care Is he still there? And I want you to know, based on what John tells us, just three things today. The first thing I want you to know is that God is always working in the waiting. God is working in the waiting. Whatever you're waiting on, whatever it is, whatever's going on, God is still at work. When you read those first Five verses, you understand that God had a plan, and that plan, His name is Jesus. And Jesus was there at the very beginning. See, God's promise was to send a Messiah, the Savior of the world, and then nothing. The, the, look how long people, I just want you to wait and just, just just check this out for a moment. Just think for a second. Look how long people waited for God's promise. John calling Jesus the word says he was there at the very beginning. Genesis chapter 3, we have the very first prophecy that a savior, a messiah would come. It says that the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head. That's at the very beginning of the book. And centuries pass. And then there's a prophet named Nathan around the time of King David who prophesies over King David that a king would come from David's lineage whose kingdom would last forever. That's 2 Samuel chapter 7 verses 12 and 13. And then centuries pass. And then 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, before John's words in John chapter 1 that you just read become true. 700 years, Isaiah prophesies in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign, for a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. God is with us. And then centuries pass. Between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are 400 years of silence. And Paul writes it like this to the church in Galatia in Galatians chapter four, verse four and five. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive the adoption to sonship. Now that word, those two words set time in the original Greek is the word chronos. And chronos means complete, full measure and perfect time. See, God's timing is always perfect. I've heard it said my whole life. God is seldom early, never late, and always right on time. How many of you wish one time God would just show up early? Amen? Right? It's okay. God's not going to strike you down. He knows you think that anyhow. It's like, where are you, God? What, what's going on? See, See, he waited. God waited for the very perfect moment to send his one and only son into the world. And he's waiting for the very perfect moment in your situation, too. I want you to hear that. Because for some of you today, there's anxiety, there's depression, there's stress, there's worry, there's guilt, there's anger, there's resentment. There's all of these human emotions. All of these things that are happening because you've asked God and you wondered, where is he? And what's going on? And what's taking him so long? And it feels like centuries have passed. But he's waiting for the perfect moment to work in your situation. Don't ever forget that God is working in the waiting. I want to unpack that. Second statement I want to give you is that darkness does not mean defeat. Darkness does not mean defeat. Look back at verse 5 of John chapter 1. For the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Still hadn't overcome it today either. Amen? Verse 9, For true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Darkness does not mean defeat. 400 silent years might have seemed dark, but God was up to something. Now listen to me. This is fascinating when you look at this. When Jesus Christ was born 400 years from the last uttering of God's word in the book of the Old Testament, Malachi, until we read in John's Gospel. When Jesus is born, it's the very first time in human history that all mankind spoke the same language that was known, the Greek language. It was the very first time in human history that we spoke the same language, wrote the same language that there was a common language oh yeah there were dialects and 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 those that you know the the Hebrew and the Torah but they they were bilingual they understood to be able to to, to understand that, that because of the Roman government and and because of the Roman rule and because Rome basically owned the world at that time that the that the language of the world was Greek and so everybody understood that were literate that had any amount of capacity in that way they spoke Greek they understood Greek that was the common language that was. Used. It was then that God finally sends his one and only son Jesus. Even the Old Testament that was written in Hebrew originally was translated into Greek, so now everyone could understand and understand and get scripture. Second thing that's happening when Jesus is born, the first time in human history, is that because of the Roman civilization, and you get this in any history class at any university, anywhere. But because of their taxation and because of their structure of their government, they conquered the Greeks and major roadways were constructed, making it easier to travel throughout the entire known world at that time. So now, of what was known as the world, was now accessible to humanity in a way that it had never been done before. And then the Jewish dysphoria caused the Jews to leave Jerusalem and be spread throughout the world. These three events happening simultaneously in a very short amount of time is the time that God said, now it's time to send my son now it's time why because there would be one message that could be understood by most of all people there would be a way in which to communicate and take that message to the known world at that point in that time and god knew what he was going to do to disperse the jews throughout the known world therefore the gospel would go to the very ends of the earth and that's exactly what the disciples did see when you add all these things together you start to see the why behind the weight there's always a why behind the weight in the life of a Christ follower, there are dark seasons that don't signal defeat. Instead, through the darkness, we see divine appointments. We see God's hand, especially if we give it time and we begin to look back. You don't have to understand the plan that God has, you just have to trust that God has a purpose because darkness never means defeat. And somebody here today, you need to hear that, that God is orchestrating in his infinite wisdom beyond your own human ability. He, beyond what your cerebral cortex can, can formulate and put together, beyond your own reasoning, beyond your own concepts, beyond your own ability to wrap around it. God has a plan. He's not forgotten you. He's not forsaken you. He's not left you. He is working these things out at this time. Third statement I want to give you. Man, I'm preaching better than you're shouting today. Amen. I'm going to take my own self to lunch. Amen. (laughs) Is that hope is a promise. Hope is in a promise. Look back at verse 10. And he, speaking of Jesus, was in the world. And through, though the world, excuse me, and through, excuse me, though the world, I'll get this right in a minute. Though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. That's an interesting statement. For he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all, anybody, everybody, whosoever, who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. After waiting 400 years, many people failed to recognize the Messiah when he finally appeared. Maybe they lost hope and promises. Maybe they'd put their hope in other things. Where does your hope lie today? Is your hope in your own ability? Is your hope in your education, your job, your title, your occupation, a political affiliation, bank account, retirement account? Hope in anything other than God will always disappoint. Why? Because it's an adamant and it has not the ability to be to be who God is. Like people in Jesus' time, we have a choice to make. We can either receive the promise or reject the promise. See, the the Jews didn't understand at that time who Jesus really was, and they didn't completely embrace him. And, and don't be too mean on them, it probably would have been any any one of us. Because a virgin birth, it's impossible. And the Holy Spirit, it was conceived of by God, it, through the Holy Spirit, it, this young girl, who is she? Where does she come from? What? From, no. And then you want me to believe that this man who is a son of a carpenter? It would, have, would have really been overlooked in the rabbinical training schools because, again, that day in time, you know, young boys, eight, nine, ten years of age, could recite the first five books of the Old Testament from memory. That's what they did. And you think your spelling tests are hard, you know what I'm saying? And then from that, they would select the elite of the elite because to be a rabbi was to be the cream of the crop, the most intellectual, the biggest bandwidth. So for Jesus to be a carpenter, the son of a carpenter, he would have gone through rabbinical school just like everybody else did. That's what you did. But he was not chosen. He was rejected. They they were amazed at him. If you remember at the age of 12, it's the last recording that we have of him before he turns 30 and he begins his public ministry. At age 12, he's sitting, talking to the rabbis and to the to the religious elect of the day. And he's sitting in the synagogue and his parents had forgotten, actually kind of lost him and left him. If you ever lost your kid, it's okay. Mary lost Jesus once, it's okay, right? (laughs) And they're halfway back going, where is Jesus? No one knows. And so they go back only to find him. And he says to his mother and father, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house and being about my father's business? They marveled at him, yet they overlooked him. We know nothing about his teen years. We know nothing about his 20s except he was a carpenter by trade that's all we know so if you're in your 20s and you're a little lost it's okay but when he emerges at 30 years of age and he begins his public ministry they still didn't understand him and get him And sometimes even today in America where the gospel is presented from churches on every street corner, from pastors and priests and clergy, it's on the airways, it's online, it's on TV, it's on the radio, yet we still reject them. Because it just seems too common. It just seems too overlooked. It just seems so. That's why I say don't, don't be too harsh on the Jews. They couldn't completely understand that this was the one. I love how John says it. Before the word of God was ever written, it existed. Just ponder that for a moment. Before God inspired the writers of the Old Testament and the New Testament, those words already existed because in the beginning was a Word and the Word was God and the Word was with God. And then the Word became flesh and He dwelt among us and His name is Jesus. See, hope is in a promise and that promise is Jesus. And even though His own rejected Him, Verse 12 says, to all who accept him, all who receive him, will become the sons and the daughters of God, the children of God. Means it doesn't matter where you come from or who you are or what your background is. If you just accept and believe that Jesus is the son of God, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for your sins and rose from the grave, just like the Bible says, you will be saved you are a son and daughter of god i love that verse 12 because sometimes we as gentiles non-jews so you basically in the bible you've got gentiles who are non-jews and then you've got jews and most of us in this room probably 99.9 percent of us are gentiles that word and all who receive him that's us because the jews rejected him we now have a chance do you understand that? We've been, the, the Galatians says, we've been adopted into the family of God. We've been grafted into the vine. We are a part. It's as though we were born in the blood lineage because Jesus Christ's blood shed on the Calvary's cross covers our sins. God remembers them no more. We've been brought into the family of God. All we have to do is accept the promise, the hope, who is Jesus. I wanna to conclude today with 2 Peter chapter 3, verse nine. For the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Today, as we close, I just wanna take a moment, and I don't want you to waste the waiting. I want you to ask yourself just a question, what if the God you are waiting for is actually waiting for you? Where are you with Jesus today? Would you take a moment and just reflect as the band comes and they do one more song and then we'll come and dismiss.